Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello, welcome to the Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. In the run-up to Christmas and festive football, United play West Ham, Aston Villa on Boxing Day and Nottingham Forest as well. Some tricky matches uh, to come, but today we'll be looking more at off-the-pitch matters because uh, there's been some developments over the last few days. As we record, no official confirmation that the takeover has been done. If that does happen, when that does happen, uh, we'll endeavour our very best to go live. But there have been some some things eking out about plans and the way that they want to run things. We're talking about Sir Jim Ratcliffe, uh, Dave Brailsford, etc., etc. We'll dig in to some of those plans and some of those uh, revelations over the last few days. As we said on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, Dave Brails had wanted Dan Ashworth, and that this week that seems to have advanced a little bit. So we'll dig into why, how could it happen, etc., etc., and why would it happen. Uh, but yes, I've been talking for a minute and 10 seconds. Rob, I haven't even said hello yet. Hello. How are you, Scott? I'm I'm all right, mate. I'm a little bit cold, uh, but we're we're all good, and we're off the back of we're unbeaten in one game, so <laughs> you know, fantastic news. Uh, the Liverpool contingent are still quite upset that United went to defend Anfield. They're even talking about it after they beat West Ham, which is get over it. Yeah, uh, the game was days ago. Anyway, yeah, I heard Mr. Klopp talking about his his uh, his uh, his Anfield contingent, saying, "Well, I don't know if they wanted us to, uh, you know, batter United." I think were the words, and it's like, "Well, yeah, they did want you to do that, but you didn't." Mm. Yeah, blame United though. Uh, anyway, as we said, we'll talk about the uh, the structural changes. There's been some suggestions last 24 hours or so as well. They could cancel Jaden Sancho's contract because of culture. Etc. Etc. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that as well, and just a maybe a bigger picture of what could happen uh, from our perspectives and how it could. A- anything's going to be better than what we've had for the last ten years. I think anybody yeah. with a who knows what they're doing can probably see how to fix elements of this United project. But that if those investigations have been going on by Dave Brailsford. We'll we'll talk about that kind of thing throughout mm-hmm. this show. But subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube, the promise under man United podcast, like subscribe, leave a comment and hit the notification bell. So you never miss a video. Follow us on social media as well at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at TPL MUFC. I think we'll also do something a little bit uh, more bite size to drop just before the West Ham game as well. Like we haven't fully fleshed out that plan yet, Rob, but I've said it now. So, that's the way it's going to go, probably. Uh, anyway, right. So, I've been talking too much, Rob. You, you start. Yeah, so it's start. interesting, Ed. It, the, the, the culture and the institution and things that might change under Sir Jim Radcliffe. Because I think this is really what United fans are waiting for now, isn't it? This news is about to drop, and it's been about to drop since forever, isn't it? So, 
there are interesting developments. We could talk a little bit about that today. And I think also time of what you said there about Jaden Sancho, that was the kind of wider breaking news yesterday about United's potential intent to go down the cancelling contracts route. Now, that's how it was p- pitched in the press. It's not quite accurate, but it's it's close, meaning that if someone doesn't adhere to your discipline structure, that someone falls outside of that, doesn't meet the standards, that rather than Man United going on this one-year hiatus of trying to sell someone, that they will come to an agreement to sever a contract to let someone go. Here you go, here's a few pennies. You'd like to go and play for someone else. So off you go, get out of our football club because then that frees up our wage bill. So that's really positive, I think, Scott, because I think that's how football clubs should operate. I think if someone doesn't adhere to what you want and can't help you on a football pitch, get rid of them as quick as you can. Take the hit if you have to. Negotiate a way out. Jaden Sancho wants to play football, doesn't he? He doesn't want to sit on his own in the canteen at Carrington. He'd obviously want to go somewhere else, but Man United can't broker any kind of deal because he's on such a big contract. So I think that's an interesting development. We say they can't broker any kind of deal. The transfer window hasn't been opened since all this happened, so we don't actually know. Um, Do you think they will cancel Jadon Sancho's contract, Rob? I don't think they will cancel it, but I think already Jadon Sancho's agent will undoubtedly be speaking to the top brass at United saying, hang on, my guy was supposed to come here and wear your number seven shirt. He was supposed to be your future superstar. That's what you did when you recruited him. That's what you told us. And that hasn't happened. Now, I know that lots of other stuff has happened. And I think also, Scott, we we also get way too invested in the soap opera of Ten Hag doesn't like Jaden. Jaden doesn't like Ten Hag. It's like an episode of Friends gone wrong. It's not that it's business. And I think the business side of this is, is that Jaden Sancho's brand is plummeting like this every moment he doesn't play in the United team. So I think he'd like to go somewhere, but you've got to free up all of the legal side of that, Scott. And do I think that that United would let him go? I think that Ineos would do that because it it opens up this big £300,000 pocket of wages. You can go and negotiate for someone else who can go on a football pitch, score you goals and help you win. So a lot of that is logic, but it's not something that we see at Man United quite often. I don't think they'll do it personally. I think there's a <clears throat> there's definitely. I know it might be difficult to find it, find him a deal, but I think you will eventually find a taker for him. Yeah, uh, and it might mean that you end up paying forty percent of his contract for the rest mm. of his for the rest of his deal. He's got two years left, eighteen months left, I think. Even uh, so, maybe a bit longer. I, I can't remember what the exact year is, but <clears throat> the the important thing is, and we talked about this on the pod, Rob years ago and i think people have uh looked at it looked at us and then gone no don't compare us to arsenal don't do that but look at their culture now they're top of the league yeah and when they gave pierre Marek Aubameyang a 350k a week contract and then his form went to absolute pot they eventually cancelled this deal because he was turning up late to the north london derby and, and all of this kind of stuff R- the culture wasn't right you had mm. Mesut Ozil was a different case. Uh, Socrates Papastodopoulos was uh, another one as well, I think, that they cancelled the contract of yeah. or agreed a termination of, uh, which meant that they would pay off the remainder of it in yeah. order to continue their squad evolution. And now you look at what they've got. There's still a few stragglers. I think Cedric Suarez is still there. You yeah, know. he is. <laughs> um, so <laughs> they haven't done it completely, but you'd imagine it's not that much of a problem to keep him around, really. Uh, what United need to do is correct the culture and that goes for everyone. So if, you, if you're not turning up for training and putting your, the correct amount of effort in, according to Eric Ten Hag, by the way, uh, if you're not doing that and you're not following the rules and you're not doing those kind of things, you can't just sit there and let it affect everyone else. So I think that the principle is right. In Sancho's case, I think you can probably find a move for him somewhere at, at some point. But I think the principle of it of it is right, and it's not. He's not the first player I would have said that that needs to happen to. Uh, so there's plenty of others as well. This squad remodel will take a long time, but it's good to know that culture will come first rather than you know uh, marketability. Let's just say. 
Yeah, look, I think the Arsenal example there that you gave is the perfect example because, again, that was a situation where this was your club captain who you've given a lot of money to and a big contract and you're relying on operating without outside the bounds of, I wasn't going to say decency, but more like discipline. So that example to your squad is something that you cannot tolerate. Like you can't wait for a transfer window to open. And you just said they're obviously like January's coming. I'm sure United would prefer this scenario, that Jaden goes out on loan somewhere like Borussia Dortmund, somewhere like that, rips it up, tears it up, it's really good. And then they recoup 40, 50, 60 million for him or something like that. That's the perfect scenario. Football is never perfect, ever. And I think if you're wanting to buy players in January and you don't want to be bound by the market and wait for Jaden to have six months of good form so you could get some pennies back, there is that opportunity like Arsenal did with Aubameyang where you just go, finished, out, get out the door because we need to carry on this project quickly because you're slowing us down. And I think that's the bigger impact with Jaden Sancho. He's supposed to be one of your marquee players. He's not helping you at all. You just said there as well. I think the, the presence of him being in the building with all the other players there is a toxic presence. Now, that's not aiming it at Jaden. I just think that's a situation. So you need to deal with The situation with it. is toxic. Like as a manager, the, yeah. yeah, as managerial, if you're Jim Ratcliffe on day one, you have to look at that and say, right, how do we do this? Because we probably can only do it on day one. Like, we might be able to get rid of Jaden Sancho. We're not going to be able to do this in a year or two or three because it's not particularly good business practice. But I think, you know, I think also football and United in general get very obsessed about well, what we'll do is we'll wait and we'll sell. How bad are we at doing that? You know, Harry Maguire... Donny you... van der Beek's the great example of that. Like, Look at that. I made six starts or something in the Premier League. Like, did I see that? Yeah. Six. Donny van is der that Beek, correct? Donny van der Beek is in the top 75 earners in the Premier League. Yeah? So that is madness. Like you talk about Jaden Sancho not helping you. Donny van der Beek is a ghost at Man United. You know, you've got to get rid. You've got to move him on. But again, if you're just waiting for like a Phil Jones scenario where you go, Phil Jones can't help you, but he's on a contract and we'll sell him one day. I think sometimes football is like Monopoly and you can't act it like a house on a board. Like you can't say, well, I might sell that. And that happens too much. I think United always looking to use that strategy. And I think Ineos on day one will go, no, we need to move some of this wage bill off because then we, we need to be able to buy players. United's policy has been extend contracts to pre pre preserve value of assets in the hope that somebody will eventually come and buy them. Two things to that. <clears throat> A, your players have to play well enough for you to sell. And mm -hmm. they don't. You could probably count on one hand the amount of players United have signed and that have improved. Like, in the last 10 years, one hand, maybe two. Mm. <clears throat> like, honestly, it's, it's that bad. Can you name one? I can't hand. think one straight off the top of my head. Bru Bruno. Bru Bruno's one. I think if, if you looked at what they signed Bruno for and his mm. value now, I'd say it's, it's bigger. Yes. <laughs> it's bigger. It, yes. it is bigger yeah. now. Yeah, he's put the numbers in, definitely. Yes, it's bigger. And I think if, if you, let's say Saudi Arabia come along, you're not taking a hit on him. No. The problem is that you have, there's only clubs in Saudi Arabia that will give you your money back now. Because like Premier League clubs and United, uh, Chelsea as well, the, some of the biggest spenders, they are, they are now the biggest spenders in world football, right? Yeah. But you don't have Real Madrid and Barcelona in positions of power. Like they can just come along and buy Ronaldo for 80 million. You make nearly 10 times what you bought him for on him mm. uh, or eight times what you bought him for on him. Like that does not happen anymore. Real Madrid's transfer policy has changed. Barcelona are absolutely mudded in financial terms mm -hmm. and have been for a while. So your option to sell these players has gone. So if you're throwing money at Sancho and Anthony and all, and all, all these other clubs, they're going to take it and run. But if it goes wrong, you've got nobody to buy them. Mm. Like, that that market is very small, and it's only Saudi Arabia that's come along now that is can really do that. But even we might see with Casemiro at some point over the next few months, where maybe United can get a bit of a bailout on him, but maybe they won't even get a bailout. Maybe it'll be a thirty percent loss on what what they signed him for. This kind of thing. Mm. But those clubs do not exist anymore. The, the wealth of the Premier League is so massive that no other league can compete, nope. and that means. If you sign players and they flop, they go nowhere or they go somewhere on loan or they go somewhere for free or they go somewhere for cheap. So it's, it, every, everything's cultural. If you get the culture spot on and right, that allows players to grow and improve. You've got the right mm -hmm. coach. goes hand in hand. 
and then maybe you can start elevating prices. But, you know, uh, if you buy them for 80 million in the first place, chances are nobody's going to buy them for any any more than that. You're going to take a loss on them. So be a bit smarter, and we'll talk about uh, how United could become smarter with their new uh, regime a little bit later in the show. Yeah, and, and I think, like, again, talking about prices there, like, if you, if you were to sell Anthony tomorrow, whether Ten Hag likes him or not, or Man United fans like him or not, you're not going to get the money back, are you? Just It's just... That's not going to happen. I do think, Scott, in the earliest days now, especially going into the January transfer window, that Ineos and Radcliffe will look at that and think, well, if we take, say, the Ranić advice to move contracts out the football club and move individuals out the football club and make the team younger and hungrier, then just by getting rid of these bigger contracts in the earliest days, and Jaden Sancho is one of them, you could say Varane, you could say Casemiro, all very like huge contracts that you wouldn't actually even get at equivalent clubs. Like it, it, they, they, they don't exist at, say, Liverpool, 26 miles down the road. You know, it's Man United that do it. That that then you can you can go really quick. You go get players. You go get a Tadebo straight away off the bat, pay him a wage that fits a structure and work with him over a year or two or three. So that's just one example. But that's why I think where United have to go. And as you said, it is cultural. You have to say, right, this is what we want to do now for the next, not year, but for the next 10 years. You know, this is how it will be. And of course, the most important part of that will be a director of football to really kind of conduct the band as you go through that process. So on that, we um we've done our bit on Sancho. Uh, we we don't know. Maybe uh, there's there's other clubs interested in him from Germany. We'll we'll yeah. see what happens there. You know, um, I think they'll end up loaning him out personally. But if you loan him out, you are going to have to pay most of that wage. And I think yes. that's the problem yeah. is that if United do that, and then someone you know, you know, Dortmund go, yeah, we want him. We love Jaden. He was our boy. We'll give him a hundred grand a week. You are paying the other two hundred just for the pleasure of him going. So if you if you could give Jaden Sancho five million quid and say goodbye, you know, there you go, this contract ripped up, go enjoy your career, you could do that. But it, it, it seems like, again, knee-jerk, but it's not. It really isn't. And Arsenal, I think, perfectly how they did that with uh, Bamiyang is a great example. Because that was a shock, wasn't it? When they did it with Bamiyang, it was like, wow, they're taking the hit here. Ballsy. But look how... Look how quickly they advanced after that because it was a statement of intent to the to the squad saying if the big earners in the squad, it doesn't matter. We will not, you know, we will not stand by and take any rubbish from you. And we will then go with the kids. We're happy to do that. That's the way United have got to do it. So how do they do it? Uh, a, stop making those mistakes. And B, mm. put structures in place to stop you making those mistakes. You just mentioned a uh, director of football. So let's dig into the potential new structure that we're going to get. Now, this is not a guarantee. I think we, it's pretty much nailed on that whenever the uh, whenever the announcement is made, Sir Jim is going to be the guy at the lead, at the head of it. Mm. But for those of you who are maybe not sure, he ain't going to be around the club day to day because no. he lives in Monaco. <laughs> so he can't. Like by law, he can't really. I don't think it's like three months max a year that you can spend in in the UK. Yeah, I want to say. So there's a there's an interesting little network that has emerged here over the last few months, uh, and we've reported on this on Night Min several times. And we did a piece on the, the latest piece on it was from December the eighth. Now earlier this week, we've had some suggestions that Dan Ashworth could. Act, is actually quite likely to join. And I just point out, I'll put it in the description as well, perhaps like this, this piece we wrote on December the 8th that they were interested in him. Now, what you get in is Sir Jim is the face of the whole thing. Dave Brailsford, who has worked at Ineos for a long time, worked with uh, the Grenadiers, uh, worked with Nice. Ineos have a portfolio of sport, sporting teams, et cetera, et cetera, that he mm. oversees. And he from our understanding, is the one at the moment. He was there with Jim Ratcliffe on the day that they first visited as well. Yeah. Uh, he is the one who's looking, you know, going under the bonnet, let's say. Going under the bonnet, trying to understand how things work. Uh, obviously, Richard Arnold has left and they have an interim CEO. But Dave Brailsford is the one who's been, I think we've called it an inquiry uh, in little quotation marks on my fingers an inquiry into how the club is run failing 
there's a suggestion today that they're going to make job cuts because United have mm. 1,100 staff and then Man City have like 900. Mm. You know, like, I don't want anyone to lose their job or anything like that, but like, what? why? <laughs> you know, is that not a bit of an overkill? Anyway, so, so Dave Brailsford is the one who is uh, maybe getting in, get into grips with things a little bit and we'll put the, the the foundations in place for United to start uh, running again. Then there's Jean-Claude Blanc, who is, we did a little bit on him a few weeks ago, Rob, didn't we? Who is, uh, worked at Juventus after they were relegated from Serie A uh, in 2006, I want to say, 2006, mm-hmm. seven. Yeah. Oversaw the planning to build a stadium renegotiated contracts in order to structure Juventus in the correct way, convinced Gigi Buffon to stay, convinced Del Piero to stay and this kind of thing and then bring them back. And obviously Juventus, are, I know they're not in a good place now, but not so bad this season, but in the last few years, they've not been in a good place, but they've won a lot of league titles, been to Champions League finals, this kind of thing. He was a big part of that. Sorry, Rob, I've been going on for ages. And Go then... He will come in as well. And what he has also done in his more recent work is live with or work at Paris Saint-Germain and has been essentially the brains behind the operation of making PSG probably the most marketable club in world football with their branding and their Jordan partnership, Mm. this kind of thing. So you see Kim Kardashian wearing, you know, PSG merch, this kind of thing. Like that that's an, an example of how this has transcended. And when you think of like, Wow, United need to restructure contracts. United need to do something with this stadium. United, uh, the culture's all off. Oh, wait, United are the big meant to be the biggest brand in world football. What what can we do? Oh, maybe there's a there's a lot of boxes that he will tick there. Mm. And then the final, final, not final piece. We'll come <coughs> to another another piece as well. Mm. I know people have been demanding Paul Mitchell. There is interest, um, as we've reported. <coughs> We don't know as it stands, but I think the first three that I just mentioned there are pretty much locked in. The rest of it is still up in the air, but we've obviously had reports this week about Ashworth and people are singing. People are saying, oh, I thought it was Mitchell. Could be both people. Like It, it could actually be both. And that, that's the, the understanding and what we pointed out in this report yeah. as well. United have targeted, uh, or they've looked at Michael Edwards, who used to be at Liverpool, uh, was being considered, uh, but... The key thing here is so Dave Brailsford and Dan Ashworth are quite tight-knit. Yes. Uh, as we put in this piece, there's an example which only last year kind of sums up how close these two are. Uh, where Ashworth invited Dave Brailsford, Dave Brailsford to speak to staff at Newcastle and the squad at Newcastle. Yeah. And uh, a comment that we've put in that from Ashworth. I've known Sir Dave for a number of years working across various different sports and he's without a doubt the best in the world at creating high performance culture and turning that into winning. So when people say why would he leave Newcastle and all their riches? Personal relationships are pretty important and I think as much as you want to look at United now and say you're in the mud man you're, you're, you're awful. The appeal of make restoring Man United it's going to be big for a lot of people. It's going to be big for a lot of people. I think that's what Sir Jim wants. He wants that to be his legacy. And Ashworth, he's worked at the FA. He's worked at Brighton. He's worked at Newcastle. Mm. I don't care what you say. Man United are a bigger club than Newcastle. And they will be for a long, long time. Mm. So that kind of ability to step up, not everything's about money. So I don't know. I don't know where we are. Um, but there are advances on reports of that report that we did uh, recently saying that it's likely to happen. Now, we, we're, we're waiting and digging for an update ourselves on it, but, you know, doesn't sound too bad, does it? When you want best-in-class people to come in and you add Paul Mitchell into this mix, we'll talk about him in a second and how that structure could work. Not bad, Rob. Not bad at all. And, and that's how you have to operate if you're coming into a, a, a business the size of Manchester United. I don't like using the word business, but it is a business. You have to look at it like that in fundamentals. It's a football team is that you have to go for, as you just described it, again, inverted commas, best in class. That's how you have to operate. You have to look at who you think is the best out there and can you attract them. And and like you just said there about relationships, that's absolutely fundamental about how you build stuff. You bring in guys who are the best in class who can then dribble down and go find the other guys. So let's, for example, 
at Manchester City when they recruit, recruited all the Barcelona guys all nice and quietly behind the scene. It wasn't a particularly big news story. That was with one fundamental, and that is that those guys in a year or two or three are going to go and get us Pep Guardiola. So that's how that works. That's again, it's, it's, it's how you mesh things together. You're not thinking about today and tomorrow. You're thinking about next year, next week and forevermore. How do you make it work? How do you become the most successful team long term? It's not about one season. I met Dan Ashworth ages ago when he was. At- Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The FA back in those days, it was a while back. And, and I think the whole thing with his reputation is that he is... He's kind of seen as someone who's very savvy at putting things together, like he's a builder. And that's kind of what Brailsford is. You know, again, I think there's a lot of people said to me, oh, Dave Brailsford's got no experience in football. No, it's not about that. It's about do you have experience in top level elite sport? And we know with Brailsford that he was the guy that created the most you know, the biggest cycling success of all time with Team GB and managed to win all those gold medals and everything that he did with Team Sky as well. So I think that's the thing with um, with Ratcliffe, and you've just used the word again, again that I've used, and that's legacy, is that he knows he has to get his first bits right. So you keep it quiet, you do all the chats, you make it all work, and then from day one you go in hard and you say, this is our intent. And that's why I think this is still taking time. I didn't think they could get Dan Ashworth, Scott, like weeks ago when we talked about it and we were told and we were like, well, okay. It might not happen, by the way. Like, yeah, it yeah. still might not happen. Because I still think that there is a power play to be played here, and that's Newcastle. Newcastle are the richest club in the world. So there's every bit, like you said, money it, money isn't everything, and it really isn't. And and it could be a case that Brailsford is able to talk Ashworth, Ashworth around because of their relationship. But then you have also got the Saudis who are very rich and can say to Dan Ashwood tomorrow, I'll tell you what, we'll quadruple your wage right now. And you're going to stay here in Newcastle. And we're going to win more things than Man United in the next five years. So there is that. But I I, I like what United are trying to do. And when I say United, I'm talking about Ineos at the moment. You know, I Mm. like how they want to set themselves up because they're doing it in a serious, professional manner. And it's not all gusto and bluster and... Oh, we'll sign Mbappe. Like that, that that's all news headlines. I'm not really interested in that. I'm interested in the details. If you get someone like Ashworth and you get Mitchell, you're, you're you're creating this very strong power hub with Blanc at the very, very top. There's no way that Ratcliffe's going to be around the football club. Like he will run the football club like most billionaires run their businesses from Monaco when they're getting their tax break. That's just the truth. And he'll do it via Zoom and emails and phone calls because that's how it works. And, and I'm not bothered about that. I don't want to see Ratcliffe at Man United. I think Brailsford, who's someone who's been Manchester-based 
well, much of his career around cycling, he's absolutely in that cycle of the Northwest and, and he can actually dictate terms there with a very, very strong management team. And that's the thing as well. Like we talk about like how Jim might be relatively removed, you know, obviously be involved in that kind of thing, but he's got mm. lots to oversee. And then you've got Brailsford, who is like a, a massive part of the actual portfolio that Ineos have. Yeah. Probably a lot of work will go into fixing United, but really, you know, he'll be involved, but you, pr- you, you really want to put full-time people in those positions, which is yeah. why you're looking at positions like Blanca's CEO and, uh, potentially Ashworth yeah. as I think we, we don't know what the role could be. It's more of a like sporting director kind of role, which oversees yeah. everything, but then yeah. get into Mitchell as well. And people are saying, Oh, I thought it was Mitchell. Well, it could be both of them. Like, and th- this is the thing that, th- that this is the structure that United are, or they are trying to put in as, as per our understanding anyway, is, you know, Ashworth kind of comes in as sporting director and oversees all departments. And then you have a recruit, a lead of recruitment, which is what Mitchell would be. Yes. So it's, and there's even suggestions that John Murta can stay as well. And, you know, but there's going to be a lot of people doing a lot of different things and you need specializations in certain areas. And God knows the United needs specialization in transfer policy and this kind of thing and actual runnings of the club as well. But anyway, go on, Rob. This is why I'm straight away the first person to go was the top dog at United in terms of the, the local strategy, wasn't it? Is that with, with the failures of Ed Woodward, is that you kind of looked at what Richard Arnold did over this kind of period he was there. And it's quite obvious straight away that that was the bit you needed to remove because you need to put other pieces in there. And I think that's where you look at Blanc, Ashworth, Mitchell, is that they can all be at United doing different things because Mitchell can do the on the ground stuff. <clears throat> excuse me, work with the manager on a more daily basis, work through work through recruitment, run the scouting network, get players to the club. And Ashworth can look at Manchester United as a sporting brand and look at the wider aspects about where the club needs to go with direction. Because as we said before about Blanc, Blanc's got a great record uh, in his kind of CEO, but he's not really a football guy, even though he works in football. He's a brand manager. He can look at stuff and go, well, if we marry up here with with the Jordan brand, then we can become influencers. We can run this part of the world. Let's be honest, before they did that at PSG, PSG are just another football club. You know, PSG, you know, a French football team that wins the league every year. Yeah, so what? Doesn't mean a lot, does it? And I think United do want a bit of that, being the kind of strongest brand in football. I would still call United that. But they, they're old world, aren't they? They're old money. It's like, oh, yeah, they were great in the 90s under Sir Alex. No one today, I think, aspires to be Manchester United, do they? Let's be honest about it. So that's where all that reboot fits. And I do think that Ratcliffe sees the bigger picture there because he's thinking, if United are going to generate the kind of turnovers that we want to make this project work, then we have to have everything perfect. We can't just go in and go, oh, yeah, you want to buy that player and that solves it because United have been doing that for 10 years, Scott. Buy that player and it solves it. Now sell that player and they've gone. It's not a great strategy. It's poor, isn't it, for a club the size of United? So more interesting things to come. But I think Ashworth would would be really, really interesting just in the terms of his standing already in the game. And that little battle with Newcastle to get him out of Newcastle, I think, will be really interesting because it's going to be a big one. And I think it might show how much muscle, uh, you know, that they have at Ineos to be able to execute Do you only mean stuff. Joel Glazer is in control of every decision? Well, let, let's do an example there, because <laughs> I, mentioned, I mentioned Arnold there, and, you know, we just said there about Monaco and all of these things. And again, I know people think about geography, but the Glazers have managed the football club from the other side of the world, and they don't even bother coming here. They wouldn't know where England was on a map most of the time. So they've managed United from a distance, and what they've done is they've said to the Richard Arnolds of the world, yeah, you get on with it, and we'll authorise stuff, but you're running it. But of course, Richard Richard Arnold's not a football guy either, is he? He's an accountant. So, it, it, you know, we, you just said Murto. I can see Murto playing, staying as part of the scouting network. We obviously heard that he's just gone out of the country to go and negotiate some things recently. And he's got this elevated role now. But he could simulate into that structure somewhere down the line. You just don't want him as your director of football, do you? So there's all of that to come. And I think that is absolutely, it's the, it's the first right step for any kind of new part owner to come in and be given that kind of power 
to put that in place first because that's more important, Scott, than your manager. Like well, we, we haven't about talked about Hall. a manager. Exactly. We've not even gone there because it's kind of like five number five on the list. Uh, United are stuck in this uh, belief that the manager is the most important thing in a club um, because that's what Alex Ferguson made it as. Yes. <clears throat> but the football, last decade, football has changed. They're not even managers changed. anymore. They're coaches. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Graham Potter. <laughs> anyway. Um, Potentially. So hopefully, if you're listening to this, hopefully you get a little bit more like and like we say, none of this is guaranteed at all. Like, yeah. apart from maybe your, your three, Brailsford, Ratcliffe, uh, Blanc. But even that ain't guaranteed. I, I'll believe it when I see it. Let's just, I'll just say that. Like, I'll yeah. believe it when there's an an- announcement because I'm so stuck in the past and the hurt of the past and how things were meant to change and how things were meant to change. And they never did. But now it might. Like... I don't want to get you too excited, but it might. And it's going to take a while, by the way. It'll take it'll take some time. I don't think they're turning this round in six months and then United are magically winning everything under the sun. Not so, so you just have to... What you want is to be able to believe in a, a path that a, a club are going in. And with the appointments like these, if they do make them, there's no guarantee over Mitchell as much as like, I, I think he is the one for that transfer recruitment job. Mm. There's no guarantee over Ashworth. Newcastle are rich. They could, Very rich. They, they, they could pull it out. But if, if it is Nashworth, could be somebody else who is not equally adept, but like, you know, just as good. The fact that the fact of the matter is, this is the structure that they want to put in place. And that is encouraging. And it's a big, big change from what has existed previously. Yeah, and it's quite interesting, Scott, as well. Like, you think about it, it's this whole process has been going on over a year now, isn't it? And when, when we first spoke about Ineos, one of the big things thrown at, at us about Sir Jim Ratcliffe was, oh, you've only got to go and look at Nice. Well, a year later, we're, we're in Nice. Yeah, they're doing quite well, aren't they? So, like, it shows that process does take time and you can't just judge a project on the last few results or the last few weeks and months. You've got to look forward. And I, and I think that's the faith I have in Ineos is that when we, we've analysed all their business dealings in terms of sport, right? I don't want to talk about the other stuff yet. We will, we will one day go there. But we talk about the sporting projects and they are serious people. They look at these projects and they're like, this is a billion dollar industry and we want to be at the top of it. And that means that we have to do the things the right way and take the pain with that as well. So that's why I was always very, very kind of positive about this. And I think when you think about the names that we're talking about in terms of fundamental institutional structure it's great this is who you want and if you don't get them at least they're going in the right direction they're looking for the right kind of profile because i think that's been united's big problem for years is that the glazers had absolutely no idea about profiling in football they didn't know about players about managers about structure about ceos they just kind of let it all bleed didn't they and then you get to a point where you can't stop the bleeding so a good a good level to start off with. And that's why I think, going back to what we said about Jaden, is that I think they will look at Jaden Sancho and go, you're a bad debt. You're a bad debt, and we don't need to tread water with you. We need to get that debt off our books because that means then we could go get players because that wage bill is really important. And that's what someone, a CEO, once said to me a long time ago. They said, the most important thing at a football club in the structure, when we look at the money, is the wage bill. If the wage bill is out of control... You can't shop. It's a problem. You've got to get your wages tight again. And that applies for any profit and loss, doesn't it? So I think that Ineos will look at that from day one and are looking at it now. And they'll want the best in class to go and do that for them. We'll see how it develops. Uh, We wait and see about when this announcement will come. Maybe it'll come before Christmas. Maybe it'll be... The week after also worth noting, Ineos are very rich. Like, you know, we're just saying about the Saudis being rich. Ineos are also yeah, very rich. Yeah, that is, you know, they could... It's a billionaire's I, I, game, I, isn't it? Yeah, I, I can't I can't recall the statistic, but I think Ineos's revenues like dwarf United's by about 100 times or, or something like that per, yeah. per year. Um, it's, it's a drop in the ocean, let's just say that. But, you know, um, and I suppose that I'll end on this. Like, this is... It was only a few months ago where we were caught in the, no, I want Qatar. No, I want 
you know, unlimited money, unlimited mm. wealth, that kind of thing. There was never a guarantee with Qatar that they would put the right. You know, I could have just been Man United over the last 10 years spending more money than they had in the first place. You know, um, that was my fear with that route. That was always my fear is that when people think the answer is just cash, then you have to just say, well, hang on. For 10 years, United have played that game. Like, oh, let's spend best part of two billion on players. Like, yes, we know the Glazers have absolutely ripped tons of cash out of Manchester United. And that's a problem. That's why we don't like the Glazers, why we don't want them at the club. But the truth is, is that United's solution to everything is throw money at it. And all oh, that money then doesn't facilitate success. So that was the way with Qatar is that just copying models like that, that are just cash based. That's not really the holistic answer that Man United need. And that's, we got a bit of stick for it at the time. This is the, it's always the deal that I favored. Yeah. It, it was like, it, it always was. And obviously we, we never really said loads uh, during the process as it, as it played out, Rob, but I think mm. we, we didn't, wasn't exactly a secret, was it? This is the no. way to go. Because you want to be run sensibly. And I think United run sensibly can compete with most, you know. And that, that's yeah. all you'd want to see. And then you don't have to ask the questions about everything else which hang, hangs over the side. Yeah, but, and, uh, yeah, we're partly accused as well. Like, like people saying, oh, you just don't like people from the Middle East and all this and race, colour and creed. And I'm going to go there. Because that for me is, is something that's offensive. People who are not watching on YouTube, go to YouTube, look at me. I am a brown man. Yeah, look at me. I'm not white. So, like, people say, no, it's, you just don't like people from the Middle East because of the colour and creed and you want British. Not at all. I don't care where an owner comes from. It can come from outer space. Not interested. It's about the health of Man United. And that's why I favoured that deal, is that I think the health factor for Manchester United long term is better than just having a benefactor who will say, I'll give you billions. Like, that doesn't work in business and football. It works to an extent. But you've got to have the structure. City's success has come not just because of their power base out in the Middle East, but because they went and got a load of Spaniards from Barcelona or Catalans and put them in charge. And that's why they are where they are now. So that's what you need is strategy. And you need people that will facilitate that. And I think that's what Ratcliffe is. He's a strategist with that. He likes to win. He's a guy who wants to win. And as we said, his legacy. Imagine if he makes a success of Man United in the next 10 years, Scott. He knows he's going to be remembered as the guy that saved Man United. That's quite a powerful thing for a guy that's got all the money in the world. It does. It still has that appeal. I'm, I know I'm a United mm. fan, but like it does. You look at the position now and you think of all the things that are so obviously wrong, so yeah. obviously need fixing. And you think that might be an easy fix. You might It might take us a little while to fix it just because of all the lagging contracts and issues yeah. and that kind of thing. Once it's fixed, you should see a sharp uplift, you know? And if you're not going to put in 10 points more or 12 points more a year on the board, you know? You're in it, aren't you? Like, can you imagine <laughs> this year? Can you imagine this year if you'd won two or three more games? That's it. You're in it. You're, you're in a different world, a different conversation. And I think when you look at the numbers and the metrics and the dribble-down factor is that you can you can make those points up if you just get better at certain things very quickly. And then in a year's time, like I just said, Nice, a really good example of a team in mid-table, maybe failing, getting a lot of flack, a lot of people in Nice barking away, saying we don't like the ownership, to a year later to being second and people then going, oh, they're quite a good team, aren't they? Oh, they play, oh, we like that style. Oh, we like those players now. It's so different. You can change quickly like that. But you've got to do the hard work first. And I think that's the big thing. You just said there, Scott, about appeal with Man United. I'm going to use a little analogy. I watched it the other day on the Graham Norton show of all places. And it, it was talking, it had Julie Roberts on, obviously very famous Manchester United fan. And he also had Tom Hanks on, who is an Aston Villa fan. And Tom Hanks said something quite funny there in terms of popularity. And he went... Well, it's easy to support Man United, isn't it? And people think that, you know, that is still the outworldly world of us. Do you know what I mean? Of like, oh, well, you are the most successful team of all time. There is still that in the world or in, in football. And I think United want to tap back into that. They want to flex that muscle and say, yeah, we are Real Madrid of, of, of England. We are the Real Madrid or we are the Barcelona of England. We can do these things because we're so super massive. The problem for the last 10 years has been your owners had no clue about how to do that. 
I suppose the, I suppose my feeling coming out of this is you may, you may look at what is immediately in front of you on the pitch and realize that there are issues there, but like mm. bubbling underneath is the actual light at the end of the tunnel potentially because without this, without a change of ownership, you're just walking further and further into the mire. Whereas this offers a little bit of promise. Let's just say that. And yeah. uh, it's, you could just retain that a little bit. Once it gets confirmed, whenever it bloody does, I don't, I don't know when it's going to get confirmed. Maybe it'll be in a minute. I, I, I don't know. Maybe when you just said that, minute. I when you just said that, I thought of Michael Jackson's thriller video with the zombies walking towards us, and that is Manchester United. They are they are a zombified a business football team for the last ten years, just in mothballs, aren't they? And dying. So it's it's pretty important that you make this change. I think that's what the Glazers have actually realised is that they've gone right. This hasn't worked, and we need to kind of give this bit away so we can carry on earning the money because we want to earn, we want our dividends, we want to be able to say that the club is successful, so we can then do things with our other businesses. Did you see as well, Scott? United fans getting upset about the Glazers meeting the uh, their NFL team, um, mm-hmm. Tampa Bay, yeah. shaking hands with all the players afterwards. That's where their heart is. They love that organisation. That's what they... They built that team up to become two-time Super Bowl winners and they were a nothing organisation. It's a little bit like Nice. It's that equivalent. Manchester United, they bought at the very, very top and they haven't known what to do with it. And they've got no interest in us. They don't want to be pitch side shaking Marcus Rashford's hands and posing for photos. They're not interested in that. They're interested in their NFL franchise. So I think they'd be quite happy to be more hands-off with Manchester United and allow someone like an Englishman from Manchester to be able to say, yeah, I saved Man United while they still cream some of the profits. Right. That'll do. We wait until this ever gets announced. It'll happen at some point. Don't worry, it, it will. And uh, <clears throat> if you're just in a little bit of doubt, oh no, Joel Glazer will still have the final say on everything. They would not be doing this. No. They would not be going to all this trouble if that was the case. And do you know why? Shall I tell you this? Is that why? Because his top guy just went. He He's just allowed his top guy to walk out the football club, which was Richard Arnold. Richard Arnold was his guy. He's a Glazer guy. And the first thing he said is get rid of that guy and he's gone. So he's not going to control stuff. He'll have a voice on the board like the board does, but that's normal. I think you have 15 people that talk about this stuff in a, in a board scenario. There's no way he's going to be involved in deciding transfer policy because he hasn't got a Scooby-Doo about it. He hasn't got a clue of how to to buy players and, and what to do. And that's been proven so many times. And Ineos can use that from day one, can't they, Scott? Come in and say, you've kind of proven that, so we'll help you with this now because we've just got this guy from Newcastle. Have you seen how well Newcastle have done over the last 12 months? And we're going to pay the money for this guy, Dan Ashworth. And have you seen that guy, uh, Paul Mitchell, who's got a great reputation? We're going to put all this together and make a super project. If they do that, Scott, you've got to feel good about it. You've got to then look forward and say, right, that's the right direction to go in. Might not be the only ones either. Might not be. be more. And, and it won't uh, be. We'll evolve. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. There's names we've not even spoken about that we will be speaking about, I think, in the next six months to a year. Yes. Anyway, so we wait for that to happen. And what we'll do is we've done this episode. We'll do another one, which will drop just after, maybe a, a day before, a day, be- day after this and a day before the West Ham game. And then uh, get your little filler for what happens or what how united will somehow lose 3-0 at west ham i'm sure we'll we'll dig into that so just uh, <laughs> we'll do a little bite-sized episode for you which will drop on friday honestly i don't like west ham just got hammered yesterday that's yeah, not, not good, um, yeah. you know that wasn't supposed to be a, a pun hammered like you know but they did and uh that was a trip to the northwest and getting beaten uh, well can man united go in the opposite direction and get a result We'll talk about that on the next episode. But yeah, uh, hopefully this has been more, uh, I don't say enlightening because I'm not in a position where I can say that, but you know, dig, digging into the detail a little bit because I know there's a lot of things that are maybe unanswered and haven't been answered and won't be answered for a little while until announcements get made, this kind of thing. But I think this is the, this is the intention anyway. Just to cap off, just to cap off as well, we we didn't mention one thing a little bit more, which is one of the big detail points is about, we just said there at the top of the show, about uh, Ineos cutting jobs. 
Mm. It's absolutely essential at Manchester United that Manchester United have got a lot of fat to trim off. And that means that if you've got 1,100 employees, but you kind of work out that a quarter of them don't help you win football matches, don't help you go in the direction you want to, you've got to make those cuts because that money has to go back in to areas to be able to improve the business and improve the football team. And I think I'm not surprised that's almost the first thing that's come out here of the review is that, right, you've got a lot of staff. How do we make this work? You're not winning with all these staff, yet Man City down the road have got three quarters of what you got and they do it 10 times better. So there's that balancing point. I don't think people should read too much into that in terms of job losses at this stage. Yes, we'll be back uh, on Friday with a new episode looking at football and the football pitch, etc. But um, until then, hope you've, hope you've enjoyed this one and hopefully it's answered a question or two for you. Not saying at all this is going to pan out in the way that we've said it, but at least there's some explanation of intention there and we'll see how it goes. But subscribe wherever you get your pods and watch us on YouTube, the Promise and the Man United podcast. Like the video, leave a message on in the comments, uh, subscribe to the channel, etc., etc. Hit the notification bell as well so you never miss a show. Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes for the audio as well. And on social media, at double underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at TPLMUFC. Until next time, everyone, thanks for listening. This has been The Promised Land. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.